that's essentially the analogy and, and just tried to simplify it to what most people do understand. I will tell you, I assumed every time I bring this up, I've run into more people. They're like, well, I've never flown, but I've seen it on TV. And it's like, oh man, I got to rework my analogy then. So, Hey everybody, welcome to another week of Funny Business. Today with me, I have Brian Johnson from Maine and Johnson. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Kent? I'm doing so good. Super stoked to have you on the show today. I think we're going to be able to dive into a lot of really, really great insights with what you've been doing in life for the last, well, you know, 30 plus years. But before we dive into all that, I always love getting to know where our entrepreneurs came from. So where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like? I'm kind of born and raised in Ohio. You know, it's kind of interesting. I lived my majority of my adult life and all my childhood there. So I didn't have a lot of you know, other locations to move around to and really didn't move around much in Ohio, just kind of same, same town after kind of like early childhood. And then, you know, once I got kind of into college and stuff, I wound up working professionally not far from where I went to my university. So a few moves and that was pretty much it. So that's, that's kind of the childhood, but it was good. You know, I mean, had a supportive family kind of grew up in sports predominantly. I always joke because I've got a younger brother who were like one complete person He's extremely musical. I was always in sports and athletics, like together, we would be like the perfect son. So, but uh, yeah, so, but uh, no complaints. I mean, again, kind of the all four seasons of the year there. So dealt with the Ohio snow and and hot summers and humidity, but I think I came out all right. So we're not (laughs) complaining. Do you feel like anything led you towards where you are today in your career path that you could have seen in your childhood? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, maybe I have the most, you know, uh, like history, historied or storied kind of path. But I'd say, you know, when I got into college, I, I really was, you know, my father owned three fast food restaurants hmm. and uh, he had come from working in them and I saw how much he worked. And I was like, yeah, no, thank you. Small business is not my thing. I'm going to go as far away as I can and try to get into one of these like Fortune 500 companies. So hmm. I kind of went that route. But I think just kind of the, that work ethic and some of the things, I mean, there's hardworking people, don't get me wrong, in Fortune 500 space, but, you know, seeing what my father did in the small business realm and and really how much of his life he had to put into it just to, to kind of keep it moving, kind of felt more and more like there's like a, there's just a gap. There's got to be more people like my father out there that if they just had a little bit of help, you know, and a little bit more of an education, they might've been able to like make that thing work for them forever. And, you know, that's kind of where it went as, as my career went on corporately and I got all these amazing experiences and traveled all over the world. And, you know, for a person that never moved out of Ohio, but then got to go to 25 other countries, you know, along the way, it's a good <laughs> dynamic, bless you. And then, you know, just as, as we kind of went through that, it just kind of came back to me that like, there's gotta be something I can do with how I've been developed to help the people that were like my father in business. And so that coaching and consulting type approach started to seem really appealing to me over time. So how did you get started in that then? So the, the interest kind of took on in college with seeing your dad, where where did you go from there? Yeah, it, it kind of was a, there's a lot of things. I mean, if I could pick just one, I'd, I'd say it makes the the perfect, perfect story, but there's, there's probably a buildup of things in there. I mean, like I said, one of the cool things is when I was a little bit younger, I was traveling all over the world, which is great when you have all the energy you know, possibly can imagine, you know, three hour nights and then, you know, working all day long, just work fine. But, you know, you, you put on a few years and then the next thing, you know, like that dynamic is while it's still enjoyable, it's not quite as appealing um, Mm -hmm. as it maybe once was. And, you know, you start adding that in with, you know, a lot of, a lot of long days, you know, I, I had a, my last role corporately was uh, on the sales end. So in a lot of cases, 
you know, as, you know, kind of the head of the department and, and running kind of a, a North and South America platform, we had a lot of people flying into Charlotte where I eventually did move to for, for work. And you were out at dinners a lot. And there is a lot of amazing things, you know, great meals, wine, all that. But in the end, sometimes it's like, man, I just kind of, I want that, like get home at five thirty, six o'clock, kick the shoes off and, and relax type of thing. And, you know, this kind of came through that as more, you know, where does my lifestyle sit with where I want it to be? And, you know, what do I want to gain out of kind of my interaction with people and, you know, how can I make an impact? And that's kind of where it landed. And, you know, I kind of had some opportunities to, you know, do a little consulting, you know, when I kind of stepped away from the the Fortune 500 space and, you know, I kind of liked it. It was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. And then, you know, you get to meet some small business owners who are putting their whole life into their business and, and seeing how that turns around for them. And, you know, it's kind of a cool thing. How exactly did you get to this point in your career with Maine and Johnson? And where do you discover your insights from? So one of the, the drawbacks of working where I did corporately and, and the amount of travel is I never really felt a real connection to my community. A really weird thing when I moved down to Charlotte and worked for a, a Fortune 500 company, I hired a guy, found out he lived in the same city I did in Ohio, three houses down from me. He was my neighbor and I never met him once in three years. And here I am hiring him to work for me in Charlotte. So kind of a crazy thing, but the whole point with that is, is that's just a manifestation of the fact that, and I just was really never involved in my community at all. And, you know, when I kind of came up with the concept for Maine and Johnson, it was like, hey, how do I kind of connect Main Street, you know, with me in some way? And, and that was really it. Like, let's start, let's start focusing on building, you know, a connection locally with just, you know, Charlotte area businesses. And I always knew, you know, there's some things I was trained on that are maybe for a little bit larger customers that I wouldn't say they're wasted on smaller businesses. They just utilize differently. And so mm -hmm. I always knew I'd get into a little bit more of the consulting side as well, but started off that way. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the, you talk about, you know, grassroots type effort. I mean, you're, you're knocking on, on doors, making phone calls, going to networking meetings. And, you know, eventually some of that momentum kind of can build onto it to where you can get into a bigger audience. But I mean, we've got some employees with the company. And, and one thing we'd say is we wouldn't give up our small business clients just for the bigger ones. We love them. So uh, we definitely like that aspect of it. Okay. So what were some of your earliest business mistakes and what did you learn from them? Yeah, no, I, I, if you've got time, I've got a long list so we can go <laughs> through it now. I'm just, but, but uh, you know, one of the things was early on thinking that, you know, if I could figure it out and then make it work, it, it would be okay. And it, it's maybe more said a different way, like not recognizing where some of my strengths were versus areas that it just didn't make sense for me to pour all my time into trying to make something that's mediocre into slightly better. Instead, that's the that what is the ideal time to either hire that person in if if that cash flow allows you to do that, or outsource to the extent you've got a professional doing it for you. So I think I spent too much time trying to be you know the superhero of my business for a while, and now I'm perfectly fine letting other people jump in and help where you know where I think they're going to add more value than I would in the amount of time that it would take me to do it. It's probably a big one. Uh, other ones too, I, I think when you kind of look at the dynamic, you know, you're so eager to go grab things as you're going out there that, that sometimes you're, you're jumping on things that are like year two, year three in your business and you're trying to tackle them year one. Mm -hmm. So getting a little bit ahead of yourself is, is hard. It's hard, especially when you know you're growing a little bit and you're really enthusiastic and excited. You know, sometimes you've got to go and, you know, take the turns that are in front of you rather than, you know, looking way far ahead. So it's probably two that I'd point out that, 
gave me the most learning, we'll just call it. There's always somebody out there that seems to be doing better than us at what we're doing, right? And I love the concept that good artists create on their own or they borrow, but great artists steal. So what did you steal from someone else and how did you make it your own for your business? Yeah, I think some things that that I kind of took from people that, you know, that some of them know it, some of them probably don't, so we won't name names, but no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, was how, how did they take what they offer and simplify it in a way where somebody really just understands it quickly? Like they can make a decision like that's for me or that's not. I mean, sometimes we, we swamp people with options because we think we want them to get, get them the perfect thing. And, and that's a, that's sometimes tough to do because we're so different and our needs are so unique that, you know, I could come up all day with ideas that I think might, you know, help Kent out here. But if you look at me and you're like, yeah, none of those are it. It'd just been easier if you'd have told me you can help me or not, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of started listening to how people explained what they did. It's not how they were effective once they were doing it, but just that initial conversation. It's funny because going back to my sales days, you'd think that would be an innate thing. But a lot of times when you have a product, you've already got somebody that's already identified with the need for your product or they wouldn't be sitting there, you know, but with services, you know, there, there's a lot more of a, a comparison between, well, I could go with you or maybe I need to amp up my marketing. You know, and, and so there's a lot of different considerations to it. And I think clarity of expression and, and articulation is probably one of the big ones. How do you achieve efficiency for the business then? You said you, you mentioned before you're totally comfortable with other people taking and writing things, but how else do you achieve efficiency? We're always looking at, okay, how are we doing things? We're assessing because, you know, we've been out there for three years now. So we've got a little bit of history on, hey, we tried it this way once. How'd that go? We tried it this way once. How'd that go? And now building in a, a process where if I were to bring on, say, another brand new consultant or a coach into the business, we would say, like, here's what you would work on the first, like, 12 weeks with a customer. Or mm -hmm. if you go to scope this project, here's the things that are most important to you. And I know that doesn't seem like that's revolutionary or anything, but, you know, when you're kind of going from a hey, people are paying me from maybe my experiences and what I know to trying to craft that exact same thing that if somebody else came in with an entirely different set of experiences, how do they have one uniform approach that's representative of the company? So we've gone to pretty good lengths to try to take away some of the guesswork and and, and take away some of the art and, and make it a little bit more science so that when we leverage the artistic side of what we do and, and the uniqueness of the individual, it actually adds value to it, not is the sole meaning behind what we're doing. Obviously, you've been in business for a couple of years now, and everybody knows coronavirus was huge, kind of shut down a lot of businesses. But how do you keep growing a business during hard times? So one of the benefits when I went through uh, what I did corporately, a lot of the roles that I had, that there was a, a high level of a strategic element to it and actually had some training and development on you know, becoming more strategic. So hmm. uh, it doesn't qualify me for a whole lot other than I'm very aware when we're going through like where the strategies are shifting and things. Hmm. And, you know, we, we kind of started talking to our customers even before, you know, the start of 2020 that, hey, you know, just FYI, we've had about 10 straight years of a good growing economy. And most of us have started our businesses in that. So my thought was, we've not really kind of experienced a market where people aren't waving money at you just trying to decide who to buy from. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us have really had to go fight like what it is when there's a lack of abundance. And so that we kind of look at as like a market growth strategy, like, hey, if the, the whole pie is getting bigger, so will our slice. 
But we started to shift and focus in our business, but also with our customers that what are the other strategies you could look at? Like one being, hey, how do I have a, a share gain strategy? So if the pie stays the same, how do I take a little bit more off somebody else's slice? Mm. Or you know, maybe there's another one where how do I get more people to want to be in our pie, even if my competitors get it, because I know I can take it later, kind of a transformational strategy. So you create new people in your market and then adjacencies. So we always looked at what little adjacencies could we do that we're qualified to do. There's there's sidesteps. I was gonna say, can you can you define adjacencies? Yeah, it's so it'd be an example as a as a market that's maybe not core to you, but because of what you do, you have a way in. So an example, one of my one of my customers is a bookkeeper, which does fantastic business. Well, one of the things obviously bookkeepers want to do is do the books for a business, but you've got tools like QuickBooks and some of the other things out there that make it kind of easy to do it on your own sometimes, or at least give you the thought. And so she shifted to say, well, okay, if I can't get all these people to sign up and be a customer of mine, maybe I can go be QuickBooks certified where I could train people on how to do their books themselves and make money off that. Mm. And so for all the people that aren't going to choose to buy from her anyways, because they want to do it in-house or do it themselves. So at least this way you can help them get there, but you're also going to make some revenue off of that too. So kind of a slight step to the right, I guess. And now you're participating in a pie that maybe you have a tiny little slice, but you've got you've got to you've got to play there. So okay, I've heard a lot about this airline analogy that you have. What is this airline analogy for business, and how does it work? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I'm glad you asked that one. I, I I like talking about it, but so one of the things when when I kind of mentioned earlier when I I kind of stole and how do I change my delivery and things? I thought, okay, what could I internalize as something that relates to me, but I could make it relate to business and man, I spent so much time on an airplane, I probably could do this, you know, backwards and forwards. But we kind of look at a flight has, you know, four basic steps in it. And then we look at businesses and they fall in basically four categories. And usually when I go through this, a business owner will say like, this is the area that I'm in, or I was there, but now I'm back here. And it doesn't mean a flight follows the perfect pattern, but in business, we might move back and forth slightly. But the, the analogy is essentially... You know, every time you get on a flight, you're in the the takeoff phase, right? To start, and that's literally a process check to allow you to get the wheels off the ground, hmm. feet in the upright and lock or uh, <laughs> seats in the upright lock position, tray table stowed, bags underneath the seat in front of them, everything in the overhead compartment. I mean, check, 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 check. You see everybody buckled in, nobody's kind of getting up, running around, and it's like that with businesses. Like when you're getting ready to start, you know, do you have your business plan done? Do you do you know what type of funding you need, and have you figured out that? Have you even written out your vision and mission? Like, do you know where you're headed? Like, these are all checklist items that like qualify you to be a commercial business. Mm. Uh, same thing with the flight. Like, if you don't have those things, if they say, I'm sorry, I've got people running around on the plane, you're not going to be cleared to take off. And so that's how we look at the first stage. And then the second stage in the analogy is, you know, now you're at your ascension stage. Mm. And if you've been on a plane, like, man, this is, you know, zero to 30,000 feet as fast as humanly possible, right? Nobody moves, nobody focuses on anything other than sitting tight and waiting until you hear that little ding on the airplane. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a lot like that for businesses, especially in the early years, you'll see people in this phase. And it's like, I just got to get enough top line revenue that I can pay my bills. And when I wake up in the morning, I, I know I'm still going to be around. Yeah, profit matters. Don't get me wrong. I'm not meaning that it doesn't, but your biggest priority is to get to that scale that allows you to thrive, that you can at least at this point say, I've made it. I'm not worried about tomorrow as much. I'm, I'm going to go through it and focus this way. And we'll, we'll work with businesses to try to coach them a lot more into staying focused. I, I'm guilty of this personally, where 
I like to look five years ahead as often as I can. But sure. if tomorrow is the most important thing, five years really doesn't matter if I can't make it through tomorrow. And so we try to shift the, the focus to the two or three things that matter the most at that point. Hmm. Then you get up to like the third phase, which is like your cruising altitude. And this is, this is where the party bus atmosphere comes in, right? The drink cart comes out. The uh, pilot will probably say something witty over the speaker to the, the you know, people on there. This is also where your loyalty rewards come into play. I mean, this is where you feel like you're a big deal. You know, obviously, if you're sitting in the front of the plane because you travel. But basically, this is where you build sort of your efficiency and effectiveness in the business. So you're now working on, hey, what systems can I put in to make more money off of the same altitude? How do I make a customer experience better so that, you know, my customers want to spend more with me, employee retention, all that. And then eventually you've got the final phase, which is dissension. And it's funny. I, I always say like you, you have, uh, you get 10 minutes to go from zero to 30,000 feet, but they tell you an hour before you're going to land that you've started your descent. And in businesses, if you do it right, it's a lot like, Hey, I know that I want this to end and I want it to be smooth. And I'm going to start planning out my exit now rather than wait till I have to sell or I have to do something. Mm. And so we work with a lot of businesses there to kind of, hey, what does this look like for you? We're not going to tell you what you should do, but we'll work with you to kind of get those things in place. And if it's selling, help you get connected to the right broker. If it's, you know, and, and what can we do to maximize valuation between now and then? If it's, I'm going to hand this off to, to junior or something like that, it gives us time to kind of get that person acclimated to being, you know, the CEO and waiting. Um, so we feel businesses kind of fall in one of those four categories and we kind of tailor our approach to meet them where they're at rather than, Hey, you got to get to, you know, cruising altitude as fast as possible. Yeah. But you know, there, there are some things you can do to make your business even better as you're, as you're rising quickly. So that's essentially the analogy and, and just tried to simplify it to what most people do understand it. I will tell you, I assumed every time I bring this up, I've run into more people. They're like, well, I've never flown, but I've seen it on TV. And it's like, oh man, I got to rework my analogy then. So. so so, let me ask you, based off that analogy, for the people, I feel like the most common people that I come in contact with, and I feel like probably the most common people that are listening to this show are probably those people in business that are trying to get up to cruising altitude. So what would be like two or three takeaways that are like the most important things for them to focus on? Yeah, to me, it's define your future before you jump into it. Um, mm -hmm. Like when you're in that startup mode, that's when you should be sitting down planning, like what is my vision? What's my mission? What do we, what do we stand for? Because the hardest thing in that phase, that ascension phase is to, to not chase every dollar. And you'll, you'll choose to work with people that three years later, you would never work with again if you had the choice. And, mm -hmm. and that's because your value on their, that dollar is higher rather than maybe them being the ideal target customer. So I always say, take the pressure off yourself just a little bit on chasing revenue. As long as you're pointed in the direction you've said you want to go, you'll get there. You've got to sometimes stop off at a few rest areas before you get there, but you'll get there if you kind of have defined that. So that's probably one. I think the other one is really understand the basic finances you could have in your business. Like I, I know several people that kind of run everything solely off of a PL and that's fantastic. And then they wonder why they ran out of cash, you know, so they're not looking at the cash end of things nearly as, as well as they should at that point in time. Um, and then as you're, you're kind of uh, going along, I, I would say in that area, you can find it for free. You can find people that are affordable that can help, but the, the worst thing you could do is stick at it alone when it prescribes you need some assistance. Like even if that's, 
grabbing a mentor or somebody that you know and just sitting down for a cup of coffee and trying to get some education and implementing it. I mean, be a sponge, but be ready to, to apply it. So what is it that you love the most about what you do? So not everybody has the same personality type. And of course, not everybody has mine anyways. And then as you kind of go through and you're sitting down talking about, you know, where a business is at, where they could go and listening to business owners or the executives in the business define the steps and then helping them order them in a way where we help, we interject, but we partner in that discussion. We don't dictate. Mm -hmm. And I love seeing when somebody kind of lays out where they're going to go, what resources are they going to use? In fact, one of the favorite things I love hearing is what am I going to stop doing now? Because if this is a priority, I'm going to not do the stuff that, you know, everybody like you can't, can't win if you keep making your plate bigger. You know, at some point you got to decide what am I going to put on it? Mm. And, you know, what am I not going to put on it? And I think when you have business owners and, and executives that go through that and they can answer that question, that strategic question, I'm like, okay, what is most important to us and what are we going to forego in order to make this work? Then I think you've got an organization that's going to perform and not be overburdened with everything where priorities get mixed up. And I, I really like seeing when people feel they've got a clear cut plan and really the tools to go execute it. Yeah, that confidence is contagious. It is, yeah. Especially if you're a leader of the company, boy, if you're confident, I think everybody else quickly joins. This is kind of an interesting concept. You, you said you'd been working with the Fortune 500 companies for a while, and then you, you've moved over into this working with smaller businesses type of an idea. Now, how do you stay up to date? with your industry then? Obviously, you tried to pull things over, but you can't keep on going back to the Fortune 500 companies, keep on stealing ideas. Yeah, well, luckily, I've got a few spies that are still out there, so I, I cannot. Ah. I, I have some mentor relationships in that that area that, that do help me. I mean, one of the things I kind of always look at is, I mean, I'm only as good as you know, what I can stay ahead of what my customers need, right? So where am I going to, to learn to plug in? You know, what am I reading, listening to, that kind of stuff. But a lot of that, you know, kind of, I'd say larger level macro type things that are going on out there, really understanding how it affects bigger businesses, because in a lot of cases, they may just be a leading indicator to what's going to happen for a lot of the customers that we work with. So just kind of getting a grasp of that, a lot of conversation, I'd say probably since the whole pandemic hit, it's even been easier because you can do it on Zoom and people seem to accept that where before it was like, hey, we got to meet for a coffee or a drink or something like that and catch up. So this kind of brings it into a, a fold where I, I feel like I've been able to leverage that a little bit more. And quite honestly, it was timely for my business because that first year and a half, I was in that you know ascension phase. So I was not trying to, to gravitate to everything I could find, but you know, as that, that kind of slowed down and that need slowed down, now I can start to enrich the business a little bit more with some more depth and, and best practices to put in there. Who is your ideal client? And what should their first steps be for getting in contact with you if they want to work with you? The best way to describe the ideal client is really somebody who's probably found some success in their business, the way they've approached it, but now they're looking to bring outside perspective in. So if it's a smaller business and you're in a particular industry, a lot of times your contacts are all in the same space as you. So the same ideas kind of circulate pretty quickly. I've seen some HVAC businesses benefit because they did it like a chiropractor, right? And so mm -hmm. is there a way that you could bring some outside perspective to your business to kind of refresh what you're doing? For some of the bigger companies, it's just, I look at it as if you're kind of sitting there like a lot of us and you've gone through this pandemic and still things seem uncertain and where you fit, everything changes all the time. 
it's sit down and, and, you know, map out really where you want to go, what, what's your path. And, you know, we like to really kind of find those customers that, that are in that space. And that usually opens the door to a lot of different opportunities that, you know, we can kind of be a lever for them where they may not have the capability at the moment and may need to go get it, but at least as a bridge, we can help them implement and not have to wait. And so th- those are probably the, the ideal. So I, there's not a particular industry as much as, you know, where that need fits with businesses. Where's the best place for them to get in contact with you? You can look on our website or find us there. It's businessconsultingcharlotte.com. I'm also out on LinkedIn. So it's uh, Brian Johnson, 28120. That you could find us out there. We're also on social media, but those are probably the best places. Or feel free if you want to email me directly, it's bjohnson at main and Johnson, not the, the little squiggly sign, uh, dot com. And, you know, happy to connect with people there as well. Well, Brian, it's been so fabulous to have you on the show. For those of you at home, thanks for watching. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe and make sure to share this with a friend. See you guys next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to harmanbrothersuniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.